I'm George Kittle, and you're listening to the Niner Guys. Welcome, everyone, to the Niner Guys. Todd Kleinheins alongside Jerry Sue. 49ers are in Minnesota. We're going to talk about some practice. We're going to talk about probably one of the longest storylines in NFL history, that being the Deshaun Watson finality of what the suspension is and what it means for the Browns, also what it might mean for the Niners and Jimmy, um, and preseason's underway. And I know not a lot of people in Ninerland are clamoring to keep Jimmy, but there was one fan in Seattle begging for Jimmy G to come to Seattle. So we'll tackle all of those and more. Jerry, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing? Doing well. Just uh, one week closer to the start of the NFL season. So that's uh, that's always exciting. So let's talk about some of the things we saw out of Minnesota. Um, what what caught your eye in the limited amount of video and reports that we did get? I just think it's great that the Niners and Vikings got to hook up for these joint practices because it gave both teams that opportunity to beat up on someone other than their own guys, which I'm sure they were very excited about. And while things may have gotten a little chippy today, I'm glad it wasn't like the joint practices between Carolina and New England, where they escalated into all-out brawls, not once, but I believe twice. Uh, (laughs) Because the Niners already have me a little worried with all the guys who are dinged up, especially the two wards, Jimmy and Trevarius. But fortunately, we are still, as you mentioned, just still a few weeks away uh, from game one, which is also a good thing for guys like Trey Lance, because as everyone's been saying, all Lance needs is to get as many reps as he can, especially against a Minnesota pass rush that features Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, because the Niners O-line still finding its way, I guess, to put it mildly. Because uh, the Vikings defense, from what we heard, uh, definitely made things difficult for Lance, which is exactly what you'd want Lance to experience during this preseason. Um, and it sounds like the Niners defense also made it just as tough on the Vikings offense with Nick Bosa and our D-line abusing Minnesota's O-line. And I'm also glad our young defensive backs were able to get tested by the likes of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So all in all, I think it was a good experience. As they say, iron sharpens iron. So, yeah, I think, it, you know, it was definitely a worthwhile trip out to Minnesota. What I think it did was clarify or provide some some clarity uh, to the hype that's been going on or the, or the hype or lack of hype going on at Niner camp, because all you've heard is how dominant this defense has looked, how great Fred Warner's looked, how Bosa looks like a specimen, a, looks like a 20 sack a year guy. Um, and your, and your question, oh, well, is that because he's not going against Trent Williams? Is the Niner offensive line, you know, really in shambles? But now you go up against the Vikings or pretty much any team and those guys don't want to be embarrassed. Those guys are are looking to, hey, the Vikings are looking to make, you know, a, a run to the, at least the playoffs, right? So, but you get out there and you start seeing highlights of Bosa just abusing people and Kinlaw just crashing pockets. And you, you're, you're right. You know, you start seeing these guys go up against other teams and you're like, wow, maybe our defense really is as dominant as, as everyone's been talking about in uh in camp so that that's always fun to see um two guys obviously that stood out i just mentioned bosa and kinlaw every time you saw a clip of those guys i I thank goodness that this wasn't a full contact otherwise uh kirk cousins might have been dead the amount of times (laughs) that that bosa bent around that corner and you know touched him on the hip for the would-be sack or whatnot so um you mentioned the chippiness though (sighs) I'm actually surprised it didn't get it didn't get chippy until this final day, and that's just because the Niners are so physical. I mean, Warner and Ayuk were ready to throw blows, you know, a week ago because of what was going on. So you know, the Dalvin Cooks and the Adam Thielens of the world are just 
they're not ready for the Fred Warner. And I saw I saw um, a report or you know kind of a write up that basically the Niners had stretched and almost completed individual drills before the Vikings had even finished their stretches. Like that's mm-hmm. how just scheduled and on time and detail oriented uh, the Niners have been up there in Minnesota, which I think is great because it goes back to it's a business trip. We're not out there just, you know, saying what's up to our old pals. It We're trying to get things done. So that, that was encouraging. I liked what I saw from the limited video. I liked what I read. It just makes me more excited for the Niners defensive line. Um, and boy, if they can, again, fingers crossed, just get healthy, avoid injuries. Uh, it, it could be, it could be a fun special ride this year. Absolutely. And just real quick kudos to all those hardworking journalists who made the trip out to Minnesota, like Dave Lombardi, Matt Barrows, Eric Branch, um, I don't know if I saw some stuff from Matt Mayoko. Did you see anything from Mayoko? I did see Mayoko wrote up a few things. Yes. All right. Yeah. So because, you know, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be getting all these cool little snippets, whether it be on Twitter, on these little videos. So, and I know, well, obviously I'm not charting every single snap. I'm sure I know they are, especially Lombardi who, you know, based on his notes, Lance has, did improve throughout the course of these joint practices, which is a tremendous sign, right? Especially when we, you know, we still keep getting, we see these splash plays between Trey and Danny Gray. And, you know, Lance also seems to be building chemistry with Debo as well. So I think, you know, everything's trending in the right direction. Um, So like you said, as long as we maintain the health, that's cross our fingers. That's really all we can hope for from here on out. Well, just a quick little update on the health. Uh, both Eric Armstead and Emmanuel Mosley got back out onto the field. So you got to feel good about them getting back out there in these joint practices, because if anything, you would have thought they would have been kind of slow rolled into individual workouts and maybe held out uh, of these practices, but they're in there. So you got to think that they're on the mend, at least to the point where they're going to be functioning, contributing players. Uh, Speaking of injuries, uh, I don't know if you caught any of the Bears Seahawks game, but uh, the Seahawks lost their starting guard. He went down, uh, had to have the cart and an air cast, which is never a good sign. Um, and then Geno Smith played the whole first half and then I guess went into the lock, came out at halftime with ice wrapped around his knee. So precautionary, got injured, I don't know, but just further goes to the point of I, I know you need these preseason games to, to hit people and kind of, work on strategies and schemes, but boy, every time you see someone get rolled up on or you see a collision that someone's not bouncing right up, boy, you just, you hold your breath because all of these guys, it, it changes the complete trajectory of a season. Should the wrong guy go down I mean, if you're a team like, if you're a team like Seattle with not a lot of expectations, the last thing you need is, you know, a starting interior lineman to go down. You're already pretty thin, you know, with some, not that it, that, not that Gino's inexperienced, but I guess talent-wise, not in the upper echelon of quarterback. So um, fingers crossed that the Niners, Vikings come out healthy as can be come Saturday. Yeah, I believe Eric Flowers might still be out on the market. So I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle gave that guy a call. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason why some of these teams just will not play their starters during the preseason. I believe – Sean McVay and the Rams, they, they don't play any of their starters because, because of just, you know, you never know, right? One of these, one of these random plays during the preseason can knock your guy out for the whole season. I know everybody can say, well, what's the difference? It can happen during the season, but I think if it happens during the season, it's just one of those things where you're like, well, it's the season. You can stomach it, I guess, a little more, even though it sucks. Um, So which is why, again, going back to these joint practices, I think it's great because that's where, all the Niners starters are definitely getting their reps in and, you know, come Saturday, there's going to be a whole lot of Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy and second and third teamers. Um, but, you know, going back to the injuries real quick, uh, you know, that with regard to our defensive secondary, I actually wonder if there is a chance we might see Jaquaski Tart back with the Niners 
I mean, assuming if these injuries keep trending in the wrong direction, because I mean, even Dante Johnson, I believe is, you know, nicked up a little bit with some, I think rib injury. Um, And so I I looked into the Eagles camps just to see how our old buddy Tart's doing. And uh, they've got running with their third team, which is a little bit puzzling, but like, I'm not as familiar with their roster and maybe they just have some crazy depth at safety, but it just got me thinking that if they should cut Jaquaski Tart, the Niners should probably think about bringing him back. Uh, not the worst thing. Not not the worst roster possible move. So, we'll, again, something to keep an eye on, especially if we don't start hearing more positive things about Jimmy Ward and Traverius Ward and, and Dante Johnson at least getting up to speed and projected to be ready to go against Chicago uh, first week of the season. Um, let's switch real quick because it, I guess, tangentially has Niner related news. And that is Deshaun Watson agreed to, uh, we, they, we, we talked about when is the judge going to rule? When is it? Well, the, the judge did not rule the NFL and the NFL PA came to an agreement of an 11 game suspension and a $5 million fine. So nearly doubles the suspension and, and lost games that Watson initially got. Does this mean anything for Jimmy? I don't know. Does it mean anything for the Browns season? Uh, I don't know. But, you know, what what are your thoughts on it real quick? Well, as far as the, the Deshaun Watson suspension, what's weird to me was that the original judge, Sue L. Robinson, only handed down a six-game suspension to begin with, despite saying that Watson's pattern of conduct was, quote, quote, more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL. So, I mean, I guess 11 games along with the fine, as you mentioned, and I think there's an expectation that he seek treatment. Um, you know, I guess that's the compromise that the league and Watson were willing to accept. So it is what it is at this point. Um, as far as how that impacts the Browns and their quarterback situation moving forward, it does sound like Cleveland's intent on going forward with Jacoby uh, Brissett, um, which is surprising to me because here's a team that's obviously positioned to win now. And if Brissett gets hurt between now and the 11th game, are they really comfortable turning it over to Josh Rosen, who mm-hmm. I believe would be the next man up? So I don't know if – They're just slow playing it in hopes of the Niners cutting Jimmy G and then being able to sign him on the cheap. But it would make more sense to me, uh, you know, for them to trade for Jimmy as soon as possible so that he can get in the building, learn their playbook. I mean, I know people have mentioned Seattle as a potential Jimmy destination should he get cut. Um, And I've mentioned Atlanta just because, I mean, let's be honest, we all know how injury-prone Marcus Mariota is, and I don't think that um, Ritter, their backup, their rookie backup, is ready for prime time. So, I mean, Cleveland is the team that really needs this insurance policy, I think, more than anything else. However, it it did make me chuckle that in Week 12, when Deshaun Watson is supposed to come back, do you know who they're supposed to be playing? Texans. That's right. The Houston Texans. As if all of this was just perfectly coordinated. Yeah. Well, that's why, um, no, and that's not why, but that's that's a reason that people found it interesting that it's an 11. Like, why 11 games? Right. Why, not, why not 10 <laughs> or 12? I mean, not that things have to be rounded off like that, but that's how they usually are, right? They just six game. Oh, when's Jimmy come back? Ah, two to four weeks. You know, it's not eh, three to five. It's always, it's always the even number, right? So, <laughs> How long? Uh, we're not even doubling the suspension. We're, uh, we're going to go from, you know, 6 to 11, just so he can play at Houston. I mean, just so he can get that warm Texas reception that I'm sure everyone's waiting for. But I mean, I know usually you usually don't care for these storylines or these plot lines, no. but, you know, that's that's the NFL. <laughs> well, that's that's why it just it just is intriguing. Uh, but looking at again, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the Cleveland schedule. They open with Carolina, the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons. They should be able to go minimum three and one, if not four and zero in those games, even with Jacoby Brissett. 
The next four get tougher. Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals before they go into their bye. So it's conceivable that they're four and four going into their bye. They play at Miami and at Buffalo, maybe split those. So you're sitting you're sitting at five and five going into the Tampa Bay Bucks game, win or lose, either you're six and five, five and six. Is that enough for Deshaun to, to make up any, any ground in, in the AFC to get them to the playoffs in those final games? I mean, you got to think that the AFC is tough. It's going to take, I got to think it's going to take 11 wins to get into the playoffs. So you're talking about in those in those final, you're gonna have to go five and two. I mean, that might be a tall order for a guy who hasn't played in what will be a year and a half. He didn't look great in the pre first preseason game, just a lot of rust. So again, this goes back to the Jimmy thing. Is Jacoby Brissett enough to be able to steal one of those? You know, maybe not. Not that not that the Browns are going to be drastic underdogs, but does Jimmy give them a better shot to beat? Ensure beating a Miami, do beat a Baltimore, you know, to beat a Patriots team, um, you know, in hopes that, boy, if we can get to seven wins before Deshaun gets here, and he's only he's got to go four and three, he's basically got to go um, just a little over five hundred. I mean, isn't that the, the discussion you're having in Cleveland right now? I, I don't know. I think the, the reason why they brought on board Jacoby Brissett to begin with is that they actually believe in him, right? You may not believe in him as much, or you might think that Jimmy G would be a much bigger upgrade than Jacoby Brissett, but I'm thinking that the folks in Cleveland, their front office, believe in Jacoby Brissett. And Enough so that bringing aboard a Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't really – it wouldn't be making that big of a difference. Like, and, and uh, again, it depends on what you would have to give up and what you would have to pay. Um, I think those are all factors going into a potential trade. Um, like, what? let's say Cleveland – and I don't know if in terms of contract negotiation, can the Niners – renegotiate anything before trading him or is it more true you trade him and it's up to Cleveland to do the renegotiation but because certainly he will not be making the 24 to 25 million dollars this season and then in terms of compensation are the Niners just happy to get him out of the NFC just because like they I mean I don't really honestly think that they are afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to haunt them, but I'm sure they don't want him going to, let's say the Rams in case, you know, Matt Stafford and his elbows start barking or something worse happens and they don't want to be doing the Rams any favors. So, you know, is it just worth it to, Hey, just give me a seventh round pick and we'll let you have him. So I think all of that goes into the potential uh, transaction, but as far as like, you know, how the Browns, view it or how whether or not it makes them more competitive i don't know because and, and also part of it is how healthy is jimmy's shoulder we i mean of course the niners are portraying it like hey look he's throwing he's good he's good to go because it it makes the tr uh, trade a more uh you know a higher likelihood of happening it helps jimmy um so yeah i just it, it's hard to say right now and it's funny you mentioned that one fan in Seattle who was clamoring for Jimmy because I think as I texted you back, I'm like, has this Seattle fan not watched the Niners Seahawks games in the last like three years? Because I mean, I didn't look at Jimmy's stats, but just in my recollection, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo was actually the difference maker where they're like, man, please give us some Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> well, checking out the the Browns depth chart only the. They currently have Josh Dobbs listed ahead of Josh Rosen. So Ugh, Dobbs. Should, should Jacoby Brissett go down? I mean, at, at that point, uh, I don't know what you I don't know what you do if you're Cleveland. But, but that's, that's the thing. I think if you're the Browns, and if for no other reason than you know that Jimmy is a professional, he'll go in, he'll do what's right for the team, whether if it's Jacoby Brissett being the number one guy for a while. He's, he'll be good with that as he learns the playbook. When he gets in there, I'm sure he'll do 
when he normally does, right? Not putting up any gaudy numbers, but as long as he can stay healthy, he can help the team win. So, yeah, so that and, – and, again, we talked about the first four games. Almost whether you start Jacoby Brissett and he stays healthy, they should be they should be okay out of the gate in that first month of the season. So you would think that it's not like they're going to run into a, a tough opening two games and then the fans are going to turn and they're going to be, oh, we want Jimmy. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. I think whoever starts for Cleveland to start the season is going to start out okay, and then I think they're going to hit some rough patches and then they're just going to try and – tread tread water um another yeah. thing is that the the browns have 50, almost 50 49.2 million dollars of cap space this year so money's not an object in terms of cap for them that that won't be an impediment now i don't think they're gonna willingly take on the 27 million that jimmy has but that's not going to be the hurdle that's not going to get this done um and honestly if we don't hear about a trade of Jimmy tomorrow. I don't think he gets traded to Cleveland because you're right. There's no holdup. You have the draft capital. You got, you know, throw him a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, whatever it takes. You eat, you know, two thirds of the contract, half of the contract, whatever it takes. And Cleveland gets Jimmy. Niners move off Jimmy. And, you know, we, we finally put a, you know, close that book. But, Cleveland knew he was going to be suspended a minimum of six. And you have to have, you have to think they were in, in the conference rooms in the front office discussing, okay, what happens if it's eight? What happens if it's 10 or 11 or 14 or a whole season? At what point do we make these moves? So all of that's had to have discussions. We all know that the Niners gave Jimmy plenty of opportunity to go seek out a trade. So him and his agent could have been on the phone with Cleveland for weeks now going, okay, well, Here's what it would take, and we'll play. So if it doesn't get done tomorrow, it's just not going to – I don't think it gets done in terms of a trade, and I just don't think Cleveland messes around with, well, let's just wait until he gets cut because, I mean, there's there's no reason for them to do that, in my opinion. I mean, outside of it'll cost them a few extra bucks. Yeah, I mean, unless they're just – you know, it, it, I just feel like every team is going down the same path when it comes to Jimmy uh, in terms of, well, let's see if – unless something catastrophic happens on our end, they they don't really have – there is no impetus to go and trade for him. They just wait until he's on the open market, in which case that – I think it's just – there, the need or the desire for that insurance policy, especially on the Cleveland front, is just, I guess, not that important. Right. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, last episode, we talked about uh, Zach Wilson of the Jets because it was that evening that he had gone down with an apparent le- or a leg injury. We didn't know the severity of it. Turned out he had some a meniscus tear. He got that trimmed up he's supposed to be out for about a month so i think the jets are going to be perfectly accepting of joe flacco being the starting quarterback through the preseason and maybe into week one if needed uh certainly doesn't sound like wilson's gonna be missing any time and outside of that all of these teams like you mentioned earlier they're resting so many starters that it's almost to the point where we we just it's almost better to have these joint practices and don't worry about these games and then let's get to the let's get to the season so yeah and you know the jets are in a totally different position than like the browns because the jets and i know guys like robert sala probably will totally hate me for saying this but this is the season's not necessarily about winning when I mean, we just talked about how the afc is such a gauntlet that for them, it's about developing Zach Wilson, develop, you know, getting chemistry amongst all these young players that they've brought in and putting, you know, a stamp on the way that they want their brand of football, the way they want to play. So whether whether or not Joe Flacco starts one game, two, four, it doesn't matter because eventually when Zach Wilson is healthy enough, he'll need to get in there. He'll need to be the starting quarterback and get those reps and and play, which doesn't so which it doesn't wouldn't make sense for them to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because again what I mean what unless 
Jimmy Garoppolo, they would need a Jimmy to play the whole season, and then they'd want him there for Zach Wilson to be a mentor, I guess, of sorts. But again, I, I feel like that's kind of what Joe Flacco's there, even though I know he's long in the tooth, but sounds like that's the role that they've envisioned for Flacco when they when they signed him. All right, I'm going to put you in Jimmy G's Gucci shoes there. <laughs> you just get cut. We'll assume that a trade doesn't go down and you get cut. Is Jimmy going to sign right away? I mean, I don't I don't see what his motivation would be to sign the first contract thrown at him unless it's just his place to go because if you're him, you got to you got you either have to Go to a team like you have to do the Mitch Trubisky where you go to a team where you have a completely entrenched starter and you're there just as a backup, not and with no controversy. And then even though Mitch Trubisky did absolutely nothing last year, somehow his (laughs) image was rehabilitated and, you know, he picks up another contract, you know, and he goes and competes for the starting position in Pittsburgh. So you either do that or if you're Jimmy, you're – going to be a starter, you know, with Seattle, or you're going to be a starter with the Falcons if Mariota gets hurt, something like that. Otherwise, aren't you just going to sit and wait to find your position? I mean, and you certainly don't want to, if you're Jimmy, I I wouldn't imagine you want to go to, I wouldn't imagine you want to go to a crappy team because basically this is your contract year. Like, you don't want to get beat up to the point where next offseason you're going in for more surgery and, and your image, unlike Trubisky, even though he didn't play, you go play for a bad team and look bad because the team's bad. You know, you're not getting that sniff of the big contract, you know, from a decent team. So what what say you in your Gucci shoes? My Me and my Gucci shoes agree with you 100%. First of all, like I said before, I want to make sure if I'm Jimmy, I want to make sure that I'm 100% healthy, right? Last thing I need is to go somewhere where I just want to get in. I want to play. I want to prove myself, but I'm not ready. And something else happens to my shoulder, an elbow, what have you. Because let's be honest, Jimmy Garoppolo is not exactly the sign of like the strongest, healthiest guy. I mean, he's been injury prone. So if I'm Jimmy, I make, you know, if I'm cut, I make sure that I'm healthy before anything else. And then, like you said, I'm not going to go just into any situation, right? I don't want to not go to a team that's there to rebuild necessarily, especially if let's say their offensive line is not going to be able to protect me. Cause the last thing I need is to look terrible. Last thing I need is to get hurt. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think that Jimmy will wait it out and see if one of these playoff contending teams has a quarterback injury um, as the season goes along. And then uh, if they do, and if someone's interested and they come calling, then he'll jump in. I don't think he'll have any hesitation to do that because, I mean, some might argue Jimmy Garoppolo played some of his best football when he didn't even know the Niners playbook. Like how many plays did he actually know in that end of the 2017 season when he ripped off, what was it, five straight wins? Yep. Yep. So I don't I think he's pretty confident that he can just go in there and make the best of it and do well, um, like he did when he was with the, when he was first traded to the Niners. So I think he doesn't worry about that. So he's just going to wait for the best situation, get healthy, wait for the best situation. And then let's say that situation doesn't arise. Well, that's OK, then because he could just take that time again, get right and What's the last, what is the last thing that he did? He was in the NFC championship game. So his resume is still intact as far as a a quarterback who, um, you know, at this point as a free agent, I would imagine would be more um, in demand than, you know, a guy who they would have had to trade for and had a $25 million contract hanging over their heads. Like, oh, can we, you know, can we fit this in, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, yeah, so I, I don't actually don't see him going the Trubisky route and signing on with uh, a team just to be the backup just for the sake of being a backup. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, I, you know, and the only reason I, I don't – I wouldn't completely dismiss that is, you know, I mean, paycheck's a paycheck, and if you get to pick your place and you 
you know, who knows? Not that not that he would go to a place like this, but you know, spend spending the summer in Miami. There there are worse places. You know, spending <laughs> the summer in you know you know L.A. or Tampa or some other warm weather city. You know, Jimmy Jimmy's got a you know. The guy's not hurting for fun, I would imagine, if he's out there, especially as the backup quarterback with no intentions of playing on Sundays. Like, ah, perfect. Well, those two cities in Florida that you just mentioned are very interesting because if something should happen to Tua, whether it's injury, whether he's just not playing well, would Mike McDaniel feel more comfortable bringing Jimmy in? Or would he just be like, let's just roll with Bridgewater? I mean, that's that's a question I have. And my second question I have, you mentioned Tampa Bay, is any chance Tom Brady looks at the Ryan Jensen injury and then with Giselle being perhaps unhappy with his unretirement and going back to playing football, that does Tom Brady retire again? And in which case, perhaps Tampa Bay is then going, uh, dude, we're going to need Jimmy Garoppolo. I say yes to both of those. I think um, I think McDaniel would be interested should Tua go down. But that's one of those situations that, you know, Jimmy would have to be sitting at home waiting for something to happen before he gets that phone call. Uh, As for the Bucks, the Brady situation is very intriguing just from the standpoint of he's such a football junkie and the fact that whatever it is has put him on hiatus for 10 days or so that he stepped away is obviously important enough to him to put football on the side. So whether that's Giselle pushing him to, you know, be, be the husband and father that she wanted at this time, um, you know, is we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see, but the only thing about that, that would seem very, un-Tom Brady-like is the fact that should he retire? I mean, wasn't he the one basically making phone calls to some of these free agents to bring them back to Tampa Bay? Or I mean, you heard Julio Jones, you know, he got a phone call for for Tom to do all this and then to go, uh, yeah, well, I'm not going to make it through the season. So enjoy. good luck, guys. Uh, I mean, that That's the only thing that would be very un-Tom brady of him to do because he did all this recruiting and he brought these guys in. If it, if it was like it initially looked like, and you were losing some offensive linemen and you weren't getting a Julio and things like that, then I could see it. But the whole thing's rather intriguing because we know what a football junkie Tom is. So I guess, I mean, Tom certainly, I mean, again, we, we started talking about, you know, what an incredible storyline Deshaun returns for his first game against Houston what is it a decade and a half later and Jimmy finally does replace Tom, but on the <laughs> box, you know, a two, both of them, a, a team removed. So yeah. Interesting, interesting. Well, you know, as the saying goes, happy wife, happy life. And maybe he's as, as much as he had intended on coming back for one more season and riding out into the sunset, hope, hoping that he can leave the game on top. I don't know. Maybe he's now looking at the long game like, dude, I want to remain married happily for the rest of my life to Giselle. So perhaps that has come to a head and he's just going to have to make a choice. And, you know, because it's weird. It's weird the way that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have addressed it, which is very non-committal like where if this was something that Tom and the Bucks had prearranged, wouldn't there be more of a finite time frame? Like, oh yeah, he he promised, or he, he needed whatever time away between this day and this day, but he will definitely be back by this day. But they don't talk about it in those terms. Right. Yep. Yes. So yeah, uh, I mean, I guess it, if we're not going to be watching starters play during preseason, I guess these storylines is what's going to get us through to <laughs> the opening day. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Shanahan's already said that Trey and most of the starters that didn't play last week, again, will not play Saturday against the Vikings. So it's going to be a lot of uh, Nate Sudfeld and, and Brock Purdy. It's going to be a lot of guys down the depth chart m- trying to make an impression uh, to make the team. So I don't expect anything very newsworthy 
to come out of the game. I don't think we're going to, you know, cap that game and go, oh, you know who looked good and might be starting, you know, fighting for a starting spot is so-and-so. So, um, you know, right now it's get through the game, get out of Minnesota and come come back and get ready for a couple practices and a game against the Texans, which by all accounts, Trey should play. It's the final tune-up before the regular season. And then there's a couple cut-down days. So uh, a couple things to just keep in mind. But really, we just got to get through Saturday in Minnesota, which will be, you know, a pretty – I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be awful. But <laughs> if, if you watch any USFL games, that's what it's going to feel like. It's going to feel like a lot of nobodies, a lot of try-hard guys, probably pretty low scoring, a little bit sloppy. Um, someone making a big hit, trying to na- make a name for himself. But it, it's the – obviously – you got to think the coaches – the coaches would not object to just going, you know what? Let's just have a running clock full time. <laughs> no, no stopping, nothing. We're, let's just go. Uh, well, I will tell you there are at least two players that I would be interested in watching. And one is running back Jordan Mason yep. because I'm not sure if you saw, but Trey Sermon left today's practice somewhat gimpy. Yep. Not sure if his high ankle sprain. And we already know that Elijah Mitchell is dinged up and he's not playing. So, you know, if Jordan Mason has a big game, who knows? Maybe they keep him around. Maybe they keep him over Jermichael Hasty, or just Jermichael Hasty have a big game and he holds off the, you know, the the rookie running back. So well, let, let me just stop you there before you get to your number two guy. Do you think one of those guys is definitely making the team? Given how how injury riddled our running back room is, I mean, let's put it this way: if they don't keep five tailbacks plus use check, now, now, are we are we are we looking? Are we really going to put ourselves in a position again where we're going? All right, is uh, Jacquiz uh, Patrick available again, well, or and, and is uh, you're right, Caron Johnson? I mean, are we are we really going to go down that road? Health, health wise, for sure. Like if 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 Mitchell's still dinged up, if Trey Sermon goes out with you know any length of time, I, I can see it. But keeping more than four tailbacks, you know, and and you're keeping five, obviously, because you're keeping use check just in the running back room. But to keep more than that would be more than they've kept in the past, and you know that they just basically they got. Three of their guys have been draft picks these last two years, and Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, you know, and Ty Davis Price. So you got those guys. So I don't know if if Jamichael Hasty or Jordan Mason is currently inside the bubble looking out. I think they're both fighting for a possible spot. Not even like, oh well, if I beat out him, I'll make the team. So I think it's going to be very tough. Now, your point is well taken that. If Jordan Mason has a good game, maybe he does vault because obviously cheap, rookie, special teams guy. Those are the type of guys you're going to have to build, you know, the back half of your roster on. Uh, at the same time, Kyle and, Kyle and John do seem to be, I don't know if it's overly cautious, but when you hear when, when you start hearing about a guy, like Jordan Mason, because I've started to hear the buzz about how he's looked in practice and all this kind of stuff. Do they just go, no, we're not going to, we don't want to showcase him in the game because we, we need to, he's not going to make our team, but we need to cut him in order to get him on the practice squad. So we don't need him going off for a hundred yards on, you know, 15 carries and having a great day and some other team going, well, we need a, we need a tailback. So anyways, uh, give me your second. The one guy on offense that I might be interested in watching the Saturday they're going to bubble wrap as well just so that nobody will poach him from from their practice squad or whatnot. I mean, again, I, I point out Jordan Mason only because of the track record, right, that the yep. Shanahan's have had with yep. these type of undrafted running backs where yep. these guys come out of nowhere, they, they're perf- they perfectly fit into the Shanahan run scheme, and then it's like they're stars. Well, but I, I, do, I, I hear your point. I mean, they definitely are the – you know, the way that they construct their team is – very regiment in terms of like they they do only typically keep those four tailbacks like you said so it is most likely not gonna happen but like i said if i'm gonna have to watch the game or if I'm gonna watch the game 
Jordan Mason on offense would be the guy that I would be keeping my eye on. Well, and and I'll be honest with you, and this probably goes back to the draft two years ago when I wasn't thrilled with the Trey Sermon pick. And the fact that he didn't look good last year, he still, you know, hasn't seemed to burst on the scene. Would it be completely shocking that the Niners keep a Jamichael Hasty and let a Trey Sermon go and try and stash a Jordan Mason? I don't I don't think it'd be completely unheard of. Uh, but now that you said he, you know, was off on a, you know, tweaked ankle, you know, maybe that's he, um, he might be destined for the pup list or IR anyway. But uh, but give me your second guy. Your second well, guy. Real quick, I think that it would be surprising if they cut Trey Sermon because we do know how long they kept. Uh, oh gosh, what's that wide receiver's name? Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd and and the other wide receiver, Trent Taylor. Not Trent. Trent. No, not Trent Taylor. The guy that we drafted in the second round. Oh, Dante Pettis? Yes, Dante Pettis. Hey, Dante They Pettis. like their guys. They like the guys that they draft. They just they can't quit. So, yes, it would be very surprising if they did cut Sermon in his second year. <laughs> Don, Don, Dante Pettis still in the league, playing, playing special teams for uh, the Bears. Uh, give me your second guy. Who's so my other guy is Quantrez Knight. Yep. Because because they just cut Darquez Denard, and maybe it's because of Sammy Womack's yep. very, very impressive first preseason game last week against Green Bay. But supposedly this undrafted free agent, Quantrez Knight, has also shined, and that also might have given the Niners the leeway to say, hey, Let's let's extend Denard, the veteran, such courtesy so that to cut him early so that he might be able to latch on with another team. So so yeah. I would say Quantrez Knight is a guy I hadn't noticed before, but maybe he's the guy that's making some noise in camp. So I like to see him in some live action. Um I agree. Uh my only thing with him and pretty much all of the DBs, it's kind of like we just talked about with the running backs, because they invested Draft picks last year and Ambry Thomas, Diamador Lenore this year and uh, Womack, you signed Ward. Um, the DB room just doesn't have a lot of obvious places for a new guy to step in. Now, if they kept somebody, you got to think that they're releasing probably a defensive lineman, which is clearly the strength of their team. So um, if you're going to keep the extra DB, it's probably going to be at the expense of someone on the defensive line. Is it going to be easier to keep a defensive lineman on the practice squad or, you know, one of these undrafted free agents? It'll be interesting to see because, again, I know uh, we, we always talk about, oh, keep this guy, keep this guy. Well, you know, it's always going to come down to keeping this guy means not keeping that guy. So you don't want to, you know, the – the Kimoko, the Kimoko Tures of the world who have looked good provide, I mean, every time you hear about one of these guys on the defensive line, whether it be, you know, DJ Jones or Kerry Hyder the first time around, you know, nobody was giving those guys much play, but they get into the season, they perform. Chris Kasirk seems to just work wonders with the defensive linemen, goes and gets these guys huge paydays with other teams. So, you know, th this is going to be another guy that that is going to be, looked upon possibly as or not not possibly but he's going to be looked as a rotational piece that can get in there and and you know look for something to do yeah Ture is just tearing it up so he's a lock to make the team and supposedly Hassan Ridgeway flashed this past week as well so like you said the D-line is clearly the team's biggest strength which is why it was surprising but not that Robert Kim Diche was also cut for them to get down to that 85 limit for their roster this week. Yes. Um, but we'll see. We'll see next. I believe next Tuesday, they got to cut another five players. So I'm sure it will be, I'm sure there won't be very many interesting names, um, especially if some guys move to the uh, pup list or, or so we'll see if anyone comes off the list. So uh, we'll, we'll see after the Minnesota, a couple days after the Minnesota game. Uh, with that said, what else has caught your eye, if anything, before I get to your final thought? Let's just get to the final thoughts, if you will. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So my final thought today revolves around something that people say they want, but really, <laughs> they don't really want. And what I'm talking about is 
the human element. Now, we've seen it in baseball where certain people push back on the electronic strike zone because they say they take away from the human element. Yet, these same people piss and moan when an umpire blows a call against their team. And then you get people complaining about replay and how it takes too long, how they still don't get the call right. Well, guess what, folks? It's not the technology's fault. Again, it's the people. It's the human element who's reviewing the plays who are taking forever or blow, still blowing the call. That's the human element that people supposedly love, but really don't. And I came to this thought because of all the Trey Lance analysis and over-analysis during the offseason and this preseason. And look, I get it. People need something to talk about. And quarterback is the sexy position. And Lance is that kind of unknown. But still, my goodness. We went from the Sam Acho and Ryan Harris's and even Chris Sims of the world questioning Lance, saying he isn't good, or folks citing unnamed sources about how Lance has a weird throwing motion that his arm has, he's going to have arm trouble. But now that we've seen him play a little, now we've got folks saying he's going to be this year's breakout player, predicting the Niners are going to go to the Super Bowl. And that's why I'm not a fan of the human human element because <laughs> the human element is just so irrational and crazy. So give me the electronic strike zone. Give me that overhead cam that can help these refs potentially get that call right so they can accurately see that Nick Bosa is being held on every single play. And no, he isn't just swimming or ducking in his way into the arm bar holds. They're just dragging him down because guess what? As I heard someone on the radio say today, that it is the only way for some of these tackles to block it. That's like the that's their only chance to cheat flat out. So because of Bosa, when he's healthy, he is unstoppable. So for his sake, please, overhead cam, whatever it takes, call the holds. Somehow I don't think somehow I don't think this will be the end of your this this won't be the last time we hear referees and umpires and your disagreement in your final thoughts on this podcast. Just that's a speculation. That's me. That's that's me speculating. Death um, taxes and my uh yeah. my 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 angst towards officiating. Yes. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to step away from sports for my final thought uh, for two things. One, again, I, I hate being the get off my lawn old guy, but when no, I don't, was, when I was a kid growing <laughs> you up, embrace that. I, I, you know, I, yeah. When I was a kid growing up, school started after labor day, right? I mean, it was like summer was Memorial day to labor day. Then you got into school and you did all that. Today, with schools starting not just at the end of August, but like it's closer to the 1st of August than it is the 31st of August, that's a little bit frustrating. It just seems to be cutting into what could be summer and family time and all these types of things. So I, I'm not saying we got to get rid of school days. Just get rid of some of the Mondays and Fridays, random days that you have off during the year and Let's go back to the Labor Day to Memorial Day uh, type of thing. But with that said, um, I know you have children. I have children. They are just they just started their first week of school. I just want to wish all of the kids good luck. I know specifically for the high schoolers and the kids who I mean, because really, as my daughter is now a sophomore, it's kind of like I'm starting to see all the different levels. You start seeing the, the incoming. She has friends who are incoming freshmen. And the stresses they're having of, I'm going to high school and, you know, type of thing. I see kids like your son, who's a junior, who, have, you know, now in that, this is my prime, apl applying myself for the next level, you know. So I just hope that they all take a moment to find themselves, to enjoy themselves as much as they can, to buckle down and accomplish what needs to be done, to be productive. Um, because. School's a bear. 
you know, and, and I, and we all know that, but it's, it's like, you want to talk death and taxes. It's just something you got to do. So just make the best of it, do your best, get through it. But good luck to all the students getting ready to uh, kick off their school year, uh, the 2022-2023 uh, school year. So they're just as, as my world has now changed from summer to school, um, school was on, on my mind and I just wanted to wish the kids the best as they all get back to it. So with that said, I think that's going to wrap up another episode of the Niner guys next week. Um, I haven't even told you this, so this will be a surprise for you. I'm not really surprised, but you know, next week, we talked about it being cut down day. So we're, I think we should dive into what the, what the roster looks like. Who do we, where do we see any final battles? Where's the last 52, 53 man going to come from? You know, we, we talked about the running backs in the corners. Did Jordan Mason do enough to, you know, earn a roster spot, but with very little, I imagine coming out of uh, the Minnesota game and unless something Remarkable happens by Jimmy getting traded somewhere. I think it's time to dig into the 2022 year. We got to talk roster. We got to talk roster battles. And we're only going to have a few more days before the last preseason game. And after that, we're not going to get any reports. You know, everything's going to go radio silence until that opening day. So we're going to dive into some of that um, fun stuff. So roster construction, always, always interesting to me. And roster construction you know, for the rest of the league as well. So with that said, for Jerry, I'm Todd. Thanks for listening to the Niner guys. Like us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. You know, we'll take your questions on social media at Niner underscore guys. We look forward to talking to you for the rest of the season. Good night.